Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Again, welcome to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am so honored to be with you today. Today we're talking about choosing possibilities and not getting stuck in the limitations that seem to be in the midst of whatever we're doing or whatever we're facing. So possibilities, not limitations. This is a Christian season of Lent, and during Lent, what we try to do in our spiritual practice is release those things, those ways of being, those ways of thinking, those ways of loving that block us from the awareness of who we truly are. We've talked in the past of releasing fear so that we can know that love is our true nature. Today we're talking about releasing the idea of limitations so that we can claim the possibilities that are always there for us. The divine possibilities, if you will, the possibilities that come from our nature as beings who are expressions of God. In our scriptures, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 to 21, there is a very famous scene described. And it says in those verses, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he, meaning Jesus, gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. The backdrop for that scripture reading is Jesus was teaching and had been teaching a long, long time. It would be much like the experience of a supersized Zoom meeting that went from early morning toward evening without any breaks. So you can imagine the exhaustion and the fatigue and the hunger. And there are thousands of these people and none of them were expecting to be there as long as they were and they were hungry. And when Jesus asked about feeding them, what the disciples had to offer were five loaves of bread, not even sliced most likely, and two fish. So right away in our earthly way of thinking, the first thing that comes to mind is no way. There is no way we can feed all these people. Let's just send them home, make them fend for themselves. But instead, Jesus took the loaves and broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples fed everybody. And according to the story, everyone was fed, everyone was satisfied. 
That story captures what we come up against over and over and over again in our lives. There's this monumental challenge. And our human, our human sense of self says, no way, I give up. This is impossible. There is no way we could ever, ever do this. And the important thing in the story is Jesus, Jesus the Christ. Jesus was fully evolved in his spirituality. He knew he was one with the Father. The Christ in him shone brightly. And he lived in that consciousness of the Christ. Christ was not Jesus' last name. It is the consciousness in which he lived. It is the consciousness in which we are all invited to live, that consciousness of knowing that we are expressions of the divine. So from that consciousness, he gave thanks. He began, began with gratitude and he turned to the Father. He turned to the divine. He turned to his source all of our source, for God is the source of all things. And he fed the multitudes. So this is what we're talking about today, and we could talk for years. And it goes right back to a question that we asked in the beginning of this year, in the beginning of 2022, and we were talking about the mystery in which we live. And it's, I said it brings up questions and questions that lead to other questions. And the first two questions we began with is, what is God and what am I? Or if you're more comfortable, who is God and who am I? Jesus knew who he was. And he knew the Father, and he knew his oneness with the Father. And out of that knowing, he fed the multitudes. In the Hindu scriptures, in the Upanishads, in a particular chapter called the Rig Veda, there is a poem called the Hymn of Creation. And it begins with these words, in the beginning, there was neither existence nor non-existence. All this world was unmanifest energy. There was nothing formed. There was no earth. There was no universe. There was this creative energy that is God. And that's what the the Hindu scriptures tell us. So there is a creative energy always in the beginning, in the beginning. In our scriptures, in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. At home, I have a small stained glass a piece of art, and it just says, in the beginning, God. That's the important part of that scripture, because in the beginning, 
All that there is, is God. And God is that creative energy out of which anything can come. And God is all there is. There is no stuff before creation begins. So both set of scriptures are actually saying the same thing. Very different words, very different culture, but the same teaching in the beginning, God. And then later on in Genesis, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and likeness. And we've talked about this before. And we, at that point, we were saying, God is love. And if we are in God's image and likeness, then we are love. Well, today I want to focus on if God is the creative energy, if the creative source of all things, and we are made in God's image and likeness, then we are creators. That's big. That's big. That means that that's what we are here to do. We are to love, and we are to create our worlds. We are to create ourselves. When I was a little girl, I wanted to know what it meant to be in the image and likeness of God. And some, I spent years pondering this, and basically no adult was able to help me out with it. So I kept asking the question, and somewhere as I got older, I realized that if God was the creator of heaven and earth, if God was a creator and I was made in God's image, I was meant to be a creator. So then I went around to the adults in my life and asked, what is it I'm supposed to be creating? Again, no help whatsoever. But that's big. If we begin each day, or if each day we touch on the truth that I am an expression of God, I am God's creation, and I am made in the image and likeness of God, and I am a creator, what am I to create today? What is it in me that is calling to be made manifest? What is it that I want to bring into being? So this is where we go when we start looking at limitations and possibilities, when we are in the realm of knowing that I am a creator. When I know that I am in the realm of possibilities, it doesn't make sense to say, no way, there's no way I can do this. Charles Fillmore writes about this in his book, Keep a True Lent. And he wrote that man is not the personal limited thing he appears to be, but the focus of an infinite idea. And Charles never makes things easy. To be the focus of an infinite idea we have to go back to Christian teachings about the Trinity, that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one way that Charles understood that was 
God the Father, God the Creator is the creative mind of God. And then out of this creative mind came the idea of the perfect man who was manifested in Jesus the Christ. So what he says about each of us is instead of being this limited thing, we are this idea that is God's in the process of creation that God is unfolding. So we, there is a perfect idea of who we are that is forever unfolding. So that's what we're the focus of the infinite idea. That idea contains, and Charles went on to say, that idea contains within itself inexhaustible possibilities. And Charles continued, he said, man is an important factor in creation. He is the will of God individualized. So it's not as if Dahlia in my human consciousness, in that ego consciousness that I'm a small, separate self. That consciousness where there is the one presence, one power that is God, that is everywhere present, and here's my presence, Dahlia, right? And it's that consciousness of here's my presence and there's your presence and you better not make me mad, right? We live in this human experience of separateness and division when all the time, underneath it all, there is a oneness with God and through that, a oneness with each other. We use language like we are God's family. We are children of God. We are brothers and sisters in God, all attempting to capture the same truth of oneness. So when I'm talking about grabbing that consciousness of infinite possibilities, I cannot do that from that consciousness, that ego consciousness of a small separate sense of who I am. I can only grab that consciousness of infinite possibilities when I surrender to God, when I acknowledge that power and presence that is God, when I try to live as an expression of that power and presence, when I know that I am so much more than my ego says I am. Another teacher, uh, one of the first teachers of unity, Dr. Emily Cady, wrote a book called Lessons in Truth, and she wrote about this idea as well. And she wrote that do not be in bondage to false beliefs about your circumstances. So circumstances come up, and we have beliefs about those circumstances. And Emily Cady would say, that's fake news. You know, the truth is much deeper, more powerful than the circumstances seem to say. And she went on 
to describe, I'm not quoting her, I'm paraphrasing from my own reading of her. She wrote that living beyond these circumstances is first and foremost an experience of God's presence. Living beyond circumstances is a creative force that shapes our present moment and our future. So if we don't allow our circumstances to be limiting, then the way we act in this moment, the way we respond, the experience we create in this moment is, is different. And it shapes the future that we create too. Emily Cady also wrote that living beyond circumstances opens us to the infinite possibilities that are of God. This is what hooked me right now, these teachings about possibilities and limitations and that the possibilities are of God. And as I enter into that consciousness of God's presence, I can claim possibilities that that ego self of me would never dream possible. When I found unity, this was the teaching. This was the experience that first grabbed me. This was the experience that wowed me. I didn't know such things were possible. I've shared with most of you one of my first big experiences was being able to buy a house. I was new in Florida. I was newly out of graduate school, not quite completely out of graduate school, unable to work because I was not yet licensed in my field, needing to finish a dissertation so I could get licensed in my field, in debt, Huge, huge, huge debt coming out of school. And no job, no job history. I had worked every year for the six, seven years that I was in this graduate program, but each of those jobs was an internship in which I did not get paid and I could not put it on a resume not a resume, but a financial statement showing money that I had earned. So my credit was about as bad as it could be. I was paying for my rent and my food with credit cards. I, for many reasons that aren't worth sharing, I had a lot of credit and I was using it. So here I am. I'm feeling lost. I just left a home that I had lived in many years. I was in a state where I didn't know people. I was just getting to know people. I was getting to know them mostly at the Unity Church I was attending. And I was taking this class that was teaching me about these infinite possibilities and teaching me to align with this presence of God and to envision that all things were possible. And it gave me steps to do, and I was, I was hungry for this. So I did everything, everything I was asked to do, and I kept 
delving into it, trying to do it better. And the end of the story is after a few months of doing this, I, the house that I wanted, I wanted one on the water because I wanted a place that would be healing and being near the water is a healing experience for me. So at the end of this new experience with unity and working with this consciousness, I ended up with the house on the water. Really, really beautiful location, beautiful yard, citrus trees, oak trees, and a phenomenal view. I could stand in my kitchen and, and see the water right there in front of me. Another piece of that story is when I first moved to Florida. My son began college that year, but when I first moved, he was with me. And the first few weeks of college, he came back almost every weekend to help with moving in and, and different things that needed to be done. And we took a, a ride one of those first weekends just to explore our new home. And we ended up in a neighborhood where the roads were windy and they had absolutely no organization or logic to them. They just wound every which way and people always got lost in that neighborhood. And we ended up on a small island with really, really small island. It was about the size of two or three blocks. But the homes were beautiful and every home along the edge of this island on one side of the street that was in a circle, was on the water. I was lost. I pulled over. I wanted to look at a map. My son wanted no part of maps. And so he was looking around, and he said to me, he goes, Mom, look, there's a house for sale here. And it was one of the houses on the water. He said, you should get a house like that. Now, mind you, I'm broke in debt, fighting this panic of I'm not going to have enough. And he's telling me I should buy a house in this very nice neighborhood that's on the water. I exploded. I felt like he was pressuring me to do something I could never, ever do. And in a very angry tone, I said to him, how dare you? How dare you put that kind of expectation on me? There is no way I could ever buy a house like this. Can you hear the limitation? There is no way I could ever. And the anger of having someone expect me to do something that was impossible. About a year later, and this is after I found Unity and got involved in this, this program, this class, and ended up buying a house on the water. A couple months after that, I was in the garage. I found an old for sale sign, and I realized that I had ended up buying the exact house that he had pointed out that day. So I moved from the 
totally impossible and how dare you ask this of me to the amazing possibilities that unfold in aligning with this creative energy and presence that is God. Now, I took classes. I went to church. I, I practiced. It's not like I just instantly shifted, but I did shift. And it's not like I've managed to keep that consciousness in all moments, all situations. I've had to learn how to shift back into it over and over and over again. I've learned how to practice it, and it's a good practice. So Unity's teaching are, are based very much in this idea that as we align with God, as we claim that divine presence that expresses through us, that possibilities unfold and we have a creative power that is amazing. Our co-founders, Myrtle Fillmore, who was told she would never live an active life, that her life would be limited, again, limitations, and short, use this process of shifting their consciousness to knowing God's presence, knowing it deeply. And through that, and it took her a couple of years, through that she healed. She healed and she lived a very long and a very active and a very amazing life. Our movement is based a lot in this truth. Jesus' teachings teach about this truth. Teachings of other spiritual traditions teach this truth. Deepak Chopra, Dr. Deepak Chopra, said that when we realize that our true self is one of pure potentiality, we align with the power that manifests everything in the universe. This is a spiritual teacher from India. You know, same teaching that when we realize who we are, and who God is, or what we are, and what God is, and we know our true self, and we know then that the potentiality that it lives within us is of God. And doing that, we align with that creative power of God that manifests everything in the universe. He also said we are pure consciousness. Pure consciousness is pure potentiality. It is the field of all possibilities. And this is paraphrased from his writings. He said to access the field of all possibilities, we need to develop a daily practice of silence and non-judgment. And going into that silence, going inward, centering, allowing our minds to rest and our hearts to open, in that silence, 
we come to know and experience the presence and the power that is God. He added that we need to practice non-judgment because the moment we judge, we are eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we cut ourselves off from the kingdom of heaven. We cut ourselves off from the awareness of God's presence. Try it. Try being in, in judgment of someone else, or let that critic in your mind, that self-critic, go wild and see if you can feel the presence of God at the same time. If you can, let me know, because I want to know the secret. So this field of possibilities is ours to access. We access it through the silence, through prayer, and through non-judgment. Amit Ray, he's a spiritual teacher that I have read occasionally. He says, when everyone else sees walls and barriers, enlightened ones see infinite possibilities. Again, the same teaching. I like the way he expresses that. And then in the letters to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 12, one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. So not only do I believe that it is possible to enter the field of all possibilities through our consciousness of God's presence, I believe that God is calling us to do that because in doing that, we come to know God and we come to know who we are and what we are. The scripture tells us we have to Leave those things behind that keep us from knowing that. We need to leave those limitations or perceived failures behind and just envision that which we want to create, that which we want to make manifest, because that is God calling us to be all that we can be. That is God calling us to live in the consciousness of being in the image and likeness of God, God who is the creator of the entire universe. And so it is ours to reach for that which is calling us and create the world we want to be, the world we want to see. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.